Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Real Estate Milestones. Today, we have Whitney Sewell, who is a daily podcast host, which is the first thing that I find super impressive about his business. He's also a philanthropist and a real estate investor with a really unique take and um, way of, of investing and with a really unique vision. So I'm excited to have Whitney on the show today. Thanks for coming. My pleasure, Ben. Honored to be here. Great. So I guess the, the, the main reason or the, one of the biggest reasons why I'm excited to, to chat today is because you know why you're doing what you're doing. So I just wanted to start there. Um, you know, why, I guess, can you tell us a little bit about your business and, and the mission and, and why, why you come to work every day? I can. It is something that has separated us. And it, being honest, it was something that uh, I didn't plan it to happen this way, but I started seeing it working and, and the Lord had a different plan for our business. And so we've run with it. Uh, but, you know, early on in our uh, marriage, I'll share some personal things here that really led up to this mission. And then happy to dive into how that's helped our business in a big way, because it has. Uh, so early on in our marriage, we were listening to a pastor talk, uh, and he was talking about caring for orphans and widows, and talking about how they had adopted, he and his wife had adopted a child or two. And my wife and I grew up in a one-stoplight town. There was, we had never met anybody that had adopted or been adopted. I mean, like it was not even on our radar whatsoever. But on our way home from this event, all we could do was ask ourselves is, why would we not adopt? Uh, and uh, because he shared about the need. I mean, 150 million orphans in the world. Uh, I mean, like all these things, right? It's like, okay, well, we can bring a child home. You know, it's like, we we can do that. And so we, it seems so simple to us. And I'm really thankful for our ignorance in the process. Uh, but within a week, we, we turned our application to adopt from Ethiopia. Uh, uh, and then two years later, our first son, Samuel, came home from Ethiopia. Nine months, nine or 10 months later, my second son came home through adoption, Elijah. Uh, and then it was probably three years later, some, or maybe, yeah, three or four years later, our, our daughter, Eden Joy, also came to our family through adoption. Uh, and so it was, it was a big financial struggle for us, though, early on to be able uh, to afford to adopt. I and mean, we're talking like forty to $60,000 uh, or more to bring a child home through adoption. And, and oftentimes that's more than what people make in a year, right? And so the more I've talked about this from many stages, you know, people say, Whitney, you know, that's more than I make in a year. We'd love to, to bring a child home, but how can we even start that process, right? And so, you know, but because of those struggles early on, when we started the real estate business and we said, you know what, we're going to commit in a big way to helping as many families to bring children home to adoption. Uh, and so we, we committed half of our personal profits from our real estate business you know, to this, to a foundation that we started, it's called the Omna Foundation. But through Omna, we, we did, we committed half of our personal profits. I think we've partnered with 21 or two families now who have actually brought children home. I just had a meeting before this where we're partnering with, I think, four or five more uh, this week. Uh, and so uh, you know, because of that, it's like, man, so many other families are, are affected, right? And children's lives are affected for generations to come you know, because of what the Lord's doing through our business. But because of that being, man, that mission, like I said, I didn't know the how that was going to take a, a, an effect in our business. But and, and, I'm, and 
I want you to ask any questions about this because I'm, I'm so passionate about it as well. But because of that mission, it's helped us to hire people, great people, right? That that it doesn't make sense that these people want to work for us, but they want to be a part of our mission, right? That investors that want to partner with us because of our mission, right? They want they want a great return. We still have to perform, but however, they love working with somebody that's not just focused on you know, finding their next mansion, right? Their car that they're buying, right? Uh, or, you know, they they love being a part of that mission, even though it doesn't affect their returns at all. And many of them have also, you know, uh, partnered with the foundation personally as well. Uh, and, but even deeper than that, Ben, when we first started, you talked about the podcast, man, it was so difficult for us early on. Doing a daily podcast, I was still working full-time. I started traveling to all kinds of conferences. We were in, our, in the process of, our, of an adoption process too. We moved. It was chaos to say the least. Uh, however, it was that mission that kept my family like united and pushing forward towards the goal, even when it was absolute chaos in the home, trying to keep all these things going. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's a beautiful story. And, um, you know, want to learn much more about how it all came together. So I guess to, to start... Um, well, I guess let's start with, uh, what's your first milestone in real estate? Cause that's the question we always ask on the, on the show. But if you want to kind of show how that first milestone in real estate might've led up to real estate beco becoming a part of your mission, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. So in 2009, oh, I'll back up a little bit. Uh, in March of 2001, I, I joined the military and I had no idea, obviously, six months later that our nation would be attacked, right? And I'd be going to war. But, you know, shortly after that, sure enough, I found myself spending a year in Iraq. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a time of, man, a lot of learning, to say the least, uh, the hard way. Uh, but, man, we learned, I learned a lot, right? And but one thing the military taught me was to have a never give up mentality. Uh, and, and so, however, when I came home from the military, and unfortunately, not everybody made it home, right? It's just... Uh, it's a tough time, uh, but we got home and I tried to figure out what am I going to do now uh, for as a career? I had no college. I thought, man, what am I even qualified to do? And, and one thing was become a police officer. I love the uniform, the structure, the discipline, you know, from military, became a police officer and I got hired with Kentucky State Police. Uh, I was one out of, I think there was five openings for like 12 out of 1200 people. And I was blessed to have one of them. However, I, while I loved being a first responder and loved doing that, a few years into that, I, I get married, I, actually early on, but a few years later, I figure out, okay, well, you know, my wife and I just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage. And I'm like, okay, well, as much as I enjoy this, this is just not what is best. And so I've got, I'm working all the overtime I can possibly work, still making $35,000 a year or less, you know, uh, and, and trying to figure out what am I going to do here, you know? And so I, I thought, okay, I always heard about, or maybe not always even, I didn't grow up in a family of entrepreneurs or anything like that, but I, I knew that real estate had built wealth for many people, right? And I just knew that. And I started started looking into it a little bit and I figured out, okay, wait a minute. If I could get just one or two rentals, maybe we can make a few extra hundred dollars a month. Like that, this was like 2008 and nine now. And, really, and I was making such little money that I didn't even know there was a crash at that time. <laughs> you know, like there was an issue. You know, it just it didn't affect me. Uh, but I thought, okay, if, if we could just get in a couple of hundred extra dollars a month, that would be a big deal for us right at that time. Uh, and so I thought, okay, let's let's do it, right? I read Reset Port Ad amongst a number of other books, but we bought two triplexes in 2009. And 
man, it was the beginning of a, of a lot of lessons. Let's say that. I mean, and, and I learned a lot the hard way. That was our biggest milestone. We were, I would say we were still very newly wed and man, it just, I was still, I was working at night as a police officer and I was managing these, these two triplexes during the day. You know, right. I mean, it was not in the best part of town, lots of deferred maintenance, a lot of, uh, you know, looking back, I can see a ton of mistakes I made, you know, obviously during the buying process and due diligence and all that stuff that we could talk, go into, but that was a major milestone because uh, we did keep it going. We didn't make any money, but we didn't lose any money uh, other than just the brain damage. But I also say that uh, I, one of the things I lost the, that was most valuable was all the, the precious time with my new bride, you know, because I was so consumed with these these apartments. However, we say we didn't quit there. You know, we, we I became a federal agent. We moved to Virginia and it was many years later. I say many. It was eight or nine years later, I guess, that uh, that you know why I, I actually had another business in addition to the federal agent position. And uh, and again, we said, you know what? We know this is not what's going to build wealth for us. We, I was actually a professional horse trainer uh, and we sold the farm. Uh, we sold the farm so we could commit to commercial real estate because I knew that was going to be the path to build wealth. Uh, and that's that's ultimately what we did. Big milestone though, was those triplexes. Uh, and that was, uh, when I say the apartments, you know, even that, that term, uh, you know, my wife and I cringe, you know, we think of those two triplexes, but there were so many lessons learned there, right? I'm thankful we did that. It made us stronger, no doubt about it. Uh, and I'm thankful that, you know, we didn't just throw the towel in on real estate altogether. Yeah, well, I'm glad you didn't throw the towel in as well. Um, did you use uh, VA loans or I guess that's only for owner occupied, but um, I just, I find that such an interesting, powerful tool for people who have military experience. Great question. I've used VA loans on personal residences since then, but I did not on those two triplexes. Believe it or not, I, I didn't know what syndication was. I didn't know anything about that, but I did have an investor on those triplexes because I didn't have the down payment, right? And so I actually met somebody that partnered with me on those triplexes. He did get everything that was promised to him, uh, you know, to say, you know, for sure. Uh, but uh, that was how we made that happen. And looking back, I, I like I look back at that now and I think, man, what was that banker think? Why did he give me a loan? It makes no sense, you know, looking back. But I'm thankful that it turned out as good as it did. Yeah, absolutely. And was that at the, I guess, was the market already on its way down or bottoming out? Or are you, you know, just did you buy it at maybe not the opportune time? Like, cause it could be the best purchase opportunity ever or the worst. Yeah, it wasn't the best. We'll say that. it wasn't maybe the worst, but it, it was uh, it wasn't the best. That's for sure. I didn't get a deal. Gotcha. OK, cool. Well, um, well, that's awesome. That's a great start. I'm glad uh, it's it's scaled up from there. But um, yeah, I guess to to take it back um, where I guess you, you've come very far. You know, where is your business now? And I guess I'm really curious, where was the moment where you decided to go all in and kind of wrap in your mission into your into your business yeah yeah so you know i, I briefly said there that I, had a, I was a professional horse trainer right and so ultimately during that time i was i was a federal agent during the day i would come home and ride horses until midnight most nights giving lessons and i was selling horses for more money than i ever imagined i was doing clinics all over the country teaching hundreds of people at a time horsemanship skills and doing tricks and all kinds of crazy stuff that i just never imagined i, I mean it was kind of like this childhood dream right to be able to to do that. Uh, however, my wife and I were walking on the, the beach uh, one fall and we, 
again, we asked ourselves a question was, and it was, are we doing, is what we're doing right now going to get us where we want to go five years from now or even 10 years from now? The obvious answer was no. Uh, it was obvious it was not going to do that. Uh, but one thing uh, I, you know, I, I felt led when I had the horse business, horse training business to give half our profits away and I didn't do it. Uh, and so, you know, when we, when we started the real estate business, actually we came home from that beach trip. That's when we committed to sell the farm. And we said, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going to commit half of our profits uh, to the commercial real estate business. Uh, and the Lord's really blessed that. I mean, it is, it's been, I mean, we have grown so quickly since then, uh, you know, I mean, we've, uh, you you said something about you know highlighter into what we're doing right now. I mean, yes, you know, what four hundred fifty million in assets and fifteen hundred units, and I mean it's happened in just a few years. You know, what sixty plus employees now, um, and so it's it's happened fast. Uh, and I don't think it would have happened without the commitment, like you just talked about, uh, and the mission behind behind the business. Absolutely. And so, in terms of the um, mission and the relationship and how it helps you in your business, I guess. Um, something that I might have, maybe, you know, just, uh, may not probably wouldn't be the case, but, um, has the philanthropic aspect of your business ever been a hindrance or something that maybe discouraged people from investing, or I guess in terms of having less working capital to reinvest in the business, is that ever a concern? But, um, or yeah, I guess like, how do you approach that problem in terms of like, finding the balance for, for both. And I guess maybe the answer is simple and that it's just, you know, the mission is the most important thing, but I'm curious just how, how you make it work. I've maybe I've had one investor ever say, well, you know, I don't really want to be a part of that. Right. Or, you know, our mission or whatever. And I would say that's okay. If they, you know what I mean? They're maybe they're not our investor, you know, if they don't, you know, if they are bold enough to say, I don't want to be a part of the, the adoption fund, you know, the, uh, foundation or anything like that. And they're not really a part of it outside. I mean, uh, individually, right. You know, it's, it's because of, uh, the finances that we're making personally that are committed to the foundation. So, so I would say, you know, you talk about, uh, being able to invest back in the business. So it's, uh, and I get that question sometimes. So it's, it's from my personal profit. So it's not from like, say the top line of like rich cap. Right. Uh, and so the, the business does have to operate, right. We, we do have to function, uh, or else there won't be funds to to give to the foundation or, or anything else. So um, so that has to happen, and that's why it's 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 half of my personal profits. And so I don't require that of all of our employees or partners or things like that. But it's me personally, uh, you know that that does that. And that's how obviously the business has to keep, like I said, it has to keep operating. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's powerful in terms of being able to to hire people, given that people, you know. You, when you sit down in a meeting or like, why, why do you come up with, come to work every day? You know what you're doing. Like, you know, you know what, why, why you're doing it. I guess, could you speak to, it sounds like you've grown your business from a, not just from an assets perspective, but from a personnel ex, uh, perspective. And I'm, I, I'm kind of curious what your, can you give us the, give the bigger picture of your, your business in terms of how the different parts operate and how, um you know, the, maybe the mission helps in, in yeah. that regard as well. Of course. So, I, I, of course, we have LifeBridge Capital, and we also have LifeBridge Management. And there's there's probably 45 to 50 employees under LifeBridge Management right now, which we've which we've grown and hired all of them within the last year, uh, or yeah, 12 to 15 months now. Uh, but then uh, uh, LifeBridge Capital, you know, there's 10, 10 of us roughly, um, and then uh, every one of them though that we've hired, when we've hired them in the inter during the interview process. 
with me saying nothing about it, every one of them has said something about being a part of our mission, right? And they already knew that about us, right? And that was, they loved that and they wanted to be a part of that, or they had a personal connection to it in some way, right? Um, and I think that that also happens with many of our investors, right? There's some kind of personal connection to adoption or children or whatever it may be. Uh, and, and they want to partner with us, you know, because of that. Uh, on the, but like I said, on the growth side, they all wanted to be a part of that, like all, all of our team members, right? They all knew that up front. Uh, and a few of them, like they could have worked for anybody probably in our industry, uh, but they chose to work for us because of that mission. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, well, I, I so being a podcast host, I, I've uh, definitely listened to many of your episodes of your podcast. I, I really admire what you do. Um, I love your, love your style and ability to conduct a conversation. But I think the most impressive thing is having a daily podcast, given that I have a weekly podcast and that's already a, a good amount of work. So first I want to hear what's the motivation for starting the podcast and kind of, it, it sounds like from the, from the gun, you were going uh, daily, but I guess, you know, what are the struggles in doing a daily podcast? How do you make it work in your business? And kind of just want to hear the, the story of, you know, starting one of the leading podcasts in the, in the space. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Well, when I started, Ultimately, I found a mentor, right? And that mentor also had a daily podcast most of us would know about. And I, at that time, it was as simple for me as, okay, I can see what it's done for his business. Let's go figure out how to do it. And it was almost that simple. Maybe that seems silly, but but it really was like, okay, that's where I'm trying to go. Let's go make that happen, right? Let's, um, uh, let's go figure out how to do that, right? It's done it for him. Let's go. You know, I, I can do it. I'll figure it out. Right. I had almost never spoken into a microphone before, uh, but, uh, you know, we figured it out. Right. And so I immediately built a team of virtual assistants from all over the world uh, that helped me to do different parts of the podcast. Right. Uh, we we did that. You know, we made it almost 200 shows that way. Then we switched to a production company that, uh, that couldn't keep up, honestly. Then we switched to another production company. Then I eventually brought it back in-house. We built our own team of virtual assistants again. I thought we could do a better job, do it faster and, and probably cheaper as well. And then it kind of, something happened I didn't expect. Well, a number of other people started asking us to produce their show. And so now we, we just kind of started our own little brand of podcast production. We're producing a number of people's shows now, you know, in our industry and some in other industries also. Uh, and so... The hardest, you talked about a struggle though, one of the hardest things has been just keeping up, right? Like, like one of the hardest things is finding enough guests to do 30 a month, right? Especially early on. I mean, I used to do 12 to 15 interviews every, like every Monday, or I'm sorry, every other Monday, my team knew that we had to record at least 12 to 15 interviews. Then it was just back to back to back to back as hard as I could go. My wife would call it my marathon day. Uh, she would literally fix me lunch to go to the basement. And it was like, I would have three minutes in between shows where I would try to scarf some lunch down, you know, uh, if I even got to eat. And so it was, it was quite chaos. I mean, to say the least, and it doesn't have to be that way, but it did make me perfect our systems and perfect, you know, being able to have an interview with somebody that you just met and still have a decent conversation. And I don't claim to be able to do it, uh, you know, well every time, but it does make you get better at things when you think differently, right? And, and it's made me think differently about lots of things. Now, and so everybody I talked to about podcasting before I started podcast said, oh, it's so much work. It's so much work. Right. And they were all doing a weekly show. Right? And so it made me second guess myself a little bit. Is this crazy to do a, a daily show? Right. But I had to think different about my processes, about our people and about hiring and 
doing these things. I've never edited the first piece of audio or video personally. I've never written the first piece of show notes. I've never posted the first show on social media. Um, but if I was doing a weekly show, I would have tried to have done all those things, right? I know that. Like I can save the money. I'll figure it out. Let's just keep it going. But I would have gotten behind and I bet I would have quit. Like I wouldn't have been able to keep up, right? But knowing, I like I call it overcommitting. By overcommitting, I knew I had to build a team. I knew I had to hire people. I, like it made me think differently. And so it's allowed me then to apply that to other things. There's a book that Dan Sullivan just came out. I've not got to read it yet, but I love the title. And, and it says 10X is easier than 2X. And that's pretty much what we did, right? It's, and it didn't make it easier, I wouldn't say. However, uh, it did make me think differently, right? So we can go make make it happen. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Because I'm, yeah, I mean, I have a weekly show and I do the show notes and I do the, um, I guess, the social media posting and I do everything except I can, I would have quit if I had to do the video. I cannot stand editing video. But um, so that's, that's the one task that I've offloaded. And that's been what's uh, allowed me to be consistent every, every week for, for over a year. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess the way I see it, I get a lot of value from writing the show notes too. Cause uh, it's like to, to talk is something that's a little more natural and easy, but to be able to succinctly put your thoughts into a, you know, I, I'd like to say a, a punchy, you know, write up is um definitely, definitely something that is a good skill to have that I've been, you know, privileged to have the opportunity to build over, over the course of the podcast, not to mention just when I first started, it was very uh scripted and now I can just have conversations with people, which is a, a skill that goes beyond podcasting. But um, I've definitely gotten to hone from, from podcasting. So I guess what other, I guess I kind of want to the lessons that I haven't learned that you have from podcasting is the the scalability um, and the uh, systems aspect. So I guess, can you tell me a little bit more about your systems and then how the lessons you learned from the systems you've been able to build have been able to, it seems like you've transferred those lessons also to the rest of your business. So I'm curious, like how, where are systems, you know, strong in, in your, in your business environment? Yeah. You know, that's the systems I would say kind of morphed into bigger things, right? You know, as we grew and as the business grew as well, uh, initially it was something as simple as having what we call a master podcast sheet. Uh, and if you can imagine this master podcast sheet, you know, down the, or, you know, the first thing, maybe the, the show number, then the date, and then the guest name. And then, you know, and then out from there, if you can imagine everybody on the team, uh, we, we color coded it, right? You know, it's, it's based on, uh, you know, what the audio editor, or we just created the process. Who needs to do what first, right? And in what order? And so let's say it's audio editing. Well, is the audio edited? Is the video edited? Is the, you know, show notes done? And, you know, we just kept going out through there. And then we added stuff in like, um, you know, the artwork or or the, uh, you know, are there ads that need to be put in or, you know, all, all these different things that have to be accounted for. And then as we're doing that for other people, well, you know, what's the cost, you know, who's paid, what, you know, what invoice, I mean, like it keeps going and going, uh, but then over time we've incorporated things like Asana, right? We use Asana now for all of that. We still track that stuff on that same master podcast sheet, but we still use that. We use things like Asana now. So all those things are in Asana. So as soon as something is checked off, well, it's notifies the next person, right? So it helps us to be more efficient. Right? And so they know as soon as, as soon as this thing is done that they're waiting on, well, they can, you know, they know when they can move forward, right? Because it notifies them uh, when when it's kind of their turn in the process. Uh, and then it also helps whoever's managing that to see where each thing is at in the process as well, right? Uh, and that's just for the podcast. But e even, you know, further back from that, uh, it was building that team, right? And that helped me to scale. 
uh, and finding people that could help manage the show, help help me find people that, or finding people that could that can help find guests, right? Quality guests. Uh, and then it takes time. And let's say finding guests, for example. Well, this person doesn't know exactly how to do that initially, right? But it's almost like hiring an assistant as well. It's like it takes some time and repetition, and eventually they know what I'm looking for, right? And and it's kind of a you know it goes up and down a little bit, but but it, it takes time, right, to develop that system and process. So eventually, I can pull out more and more and more of me personally. Uh, and and empower right these people to do that stuff for me right and so even like you're talking about video editing I've never edited the first piece of video would not have a clue on how to do it however I might look at it and say wait a minute guys this does not look good or how about if we tried this or can we do something like this or or show them an example right of something that I've seen that I really like right and so it's helping lead them but still leaning on their expertise as the video expert right or editor uh, and so, but but I apply that, you know, over in, in LifeBridge Capital as well in other ways, right? Well, I, want, I hire those people because they're the expert for whatever reason I'm hiring them. If I, I mean, I may have been doing some of that before they got hired, but it better be 10 times better because they're doing it, right? And that's why I hired them because they're the expert. I'm still going to ask questions. I'm going to push them in a certain direction, right? Uh, you know, this, I know the goal. I, I can see the vision of where we're trying to go and I need them right, to use their expertise to help me to get there. I just, I may not even know everything that I need to ask them, but that's what, you know, I need them to be there and bring them expertise, their expertise to the team while I'm keeping focused on the goal of where we're trying to go. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. And it reminds me of the book, The, the E-Myth, where you create a system, a, a structure, an organization structure of your business. At the beginning, you're filling every single part of it or a lot of different parts of it. But then as you grow your team you can replace yourself into these different parts of the structure and eventually replace yourself as the operator and guess just you know you know and it's a pretty powerful way of thinking about it so yeah um that's that's pretty cool i appreciate you sharing and i guess um before you get in the lighting round i want to bring us back to real estate uh briefly but um i guess where are you where are you investing in i guess what is the what is your outlook on on the market nowadays and kind of um you know where are you seeing opportunity yeah, so we and we have properties all over the West and, and growing into the Midwest, right? Colorado, Idaho, Texas, and now Kansas City. Uh, you know, as far as where the market's going, man, that's a it's a, a big question, right? We all want to know. Uh, I, I think you know, for us, just from my conversations with so many operators over the last even six months, uh, I think raising money is harder now than it's been in a long time, right? Uh, and I think we've experienced that to some degree or harder than it has been. I, we still raise a lot, but still it's it's taken, I would say, a little more handholding than it has in the past. Right. Um, and so I think there's a lot of fear, you know, in the market right now across investors. And, and so something that we are trying to improve on, and I think everybody need, and we just always need to be improving on this, but is educating our investors. Right. What is happening right now? What do we see? Even if we don't know exactly what's going to happen six months from now, and I would just say nobody does, right? We, we always, you know, we look at the past, we see what's happened, we look at what's happening now, we, we make our best assumptions, right? And that's, that's you know, a big part of this, this business, right? Is, is pulling all this data together and say, okay, this is the way things work. This is what's happened in the past. This is probably what's going to happen. Um, and so all that to say, we expect issues, right? You know, I mean, not personally, uh, and, and maybe that, but, but I just mean mostly, uh, we expect deals to be had, you know, in the next six, eight, 10 months. I know there's going to be deals that have to be refied that people can't get dead on, right? That the properties can't afford and things like that. So 
so I know I know that uh, I know that you know people were underwriting deals two two years ago and getting a, so say you know a bridge debt. There's going to be many of them that we're counting on debt being as as expensive as it is now, right? Uh, and it's so unfortunate, right, for them. But there are going to be deals like that to be had for those who who are ready, right? Uh, and so I, I think we are being patient, uh, as patient as, as I feel like we can be. We bought one deal last year. Uh, which, you know, as opposed to buying, say, four or five deals a year, you know, the few years before. Uh, and, and but, you know, in the moment, we were kind of discouraged about it, right? Like, man, you know, why? Why aren't we buying anything or finding anything? And, and but looking back now, I'm so thankful, right? You know, that that we didn't. Uh, and that really that we stuck to uh, what we what we knew we should, you know, our, to our guns, right? This is what, what makes the deal work for us. Uh, and, and that we just, we were okay with saying, no, that doesn't work, right? And moving on and, and not being um, pressured into doing deals, maybe just because it looks like everybody else around us is doing deals, right? Uh, and so I'm thankful looking back just at the wisdom of, of our team, really, uh, not just my Sam, my business partner and I, but, uh, but of our whole team, right? And just a collaboration of, of experts that, that the Lord has, has provided. Um, but yeah, so we, we expect there to be deals to hide to be had, you know, in the next, uh, say, six, eight, 10 months. Um, but we are being patient. We do have a project now, you know, that that uh, we're in the process of buying. But uh, but there were some some key things that happened that made that deal really work for us. Uh, and more than one thing, you know, that uh, um, that made it work. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. Right. And so uh, we believe in being patient and and waiting till till it makes sense. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like you definitely have the right mentality for the the you know, whatever's going on in the market. So, um, yeah, I wish you the best of luck. And I think that, um, you, you probably are very, uh, right in terms of, um, the kinds of debt that people took on before and the, the necessity for refining, um, or the, the need for cash in refis that might not be able to be done. You might be able to ease some of the, the difficulty by buying these deals. And, um, obviously that would be at a, a different price than it was given that where debt is. So yeah, makes a lot of sense. Are we ready for lightning round? Let's do it. All right. So if you had any, if you had any superpower, what would it be? To know the future. That's, that, that could be a curse too. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. No, that I thought that was supposed to be an easy question, but it's definitely seemed to be the hardest. <laughs> so what is your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you the most? Uh, the Bible by far, uh, to say the least. Uh, if we have to say a business book, I, I would say the one I recommend, there's so many that I recommend, but one that I probably have said the most uh, is is The Road Less Stupid uh, by Keith Cunningham. Awesome. I haven't read that one, but I'll check it out. Um, I think we, we've touched on this, but what motivates you to continue every day? Yeah, our mission, uh, to say the least. I mean, it, it affects our family in a big way, right? And helping more families, uh, you know, to bring children home and, and, uh, you know, to their forever family. Great. And what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Man, start early, right? Start early and mentor uh, and mentor with somebody that's where you want to be right. 10 years ahead of you. Uh, and even be willing to do it for free to make it happen. Even if it means working at McDonald's during the day or, or at night, so you can, work with this person for free during the day, man, go do it and, and make it happen. Uh, and I, I, I just see so many that are, that are not willing um, 
to, let's say, self-educate, you know, or they're not willing to work for free early on or, or just to get the experience um, out of almost a, of a, I don't know, uh, what's the word? You know, they feel like they're worth more than that, right? Uh, and I, I just I say, you know what, uh, you know, when you're getting started, man, go, you, you have no idea the value that somebody that's 10 years ahead of you can add to you, right? So go figure out who that person is and, and try to add value to them. Absolutely. And lastly, since I put you on the spot, on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So what's one question you'd have for me? What's your biggest struggle in your real estate business right now? That's my biggest struggle in my real estate business. I guess to step it out, I guess what's my, my biggest struggle is just uh, trying to face the, or trying to stay composed or I guess just try, yeah, just, I guess my big struggle would be to just absorb the uncertainty and, and relish in the uncertainty that's uh, kind of overwhelming that, um you know, I'm graduating from college in um, less than a month and don't know exactly where I'm going to be geographically, what I'm going to be doing. Um, I know what I want to be doing and I guess where I want to go in the future, but just the uncertainty in the path is something that is a struggle to, um, you know, the struggle to, to just, it's just a struggle in the, having the, the, that uncertainty looming over myself, but um, definitely kind of putting into context and, and, you know, being confident in who I am and knowing that, um, you know, it's all going to work out that uh, I have the, the mindset, the skills and the, you know, support to um, be able to accomplish my dreams and I'm willing to work hard and that, that it's, you know, just a, a matter of time. And um, so, yeah, but um, <laughs> definitely, definitely a lot of uh, uncertainty, you know? Have you uh, reverse engineered at all? Like thought about, okay, five years from now, this is where I want to be. And this is our 10 years and we're uh, down to a year and six months and figuring out, uh, okay, what do I need to be doing six months from now to get to where I want to be five years from now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, yeah. So I know that I'm going to be working with, I'm going to find a mentor, right? I'm going to be, I'm going to be working with someone who can teach me. I'm trying to find the the right person that I could, um, you know, provide a lot of value just with my willingness to work hard and learn and maybe, um, and that, you know, hopefully I could be an asset, but that, you know, looking for someone where I can continue to, to learn a lot about real estate and, and get my hands dirty and, um, you know, build the skills that I'm, that are going to take me to where I want to go. And so, yeah, definitely the next step is, is finding, finding someone who I can continue to, to grow with. I could ask you a lot more questions if you want. I would love to dive in. <laughs> yeah i mean depends on your on your time but um but yeah that's kind of how i'm thinking about it yeah now that's also what skill sets do you have what are what are what do you love to do in this business uh, there's so many different things in the uh, in the syndication space for commercial real estate right there's so many different people on our team who have different skill sets and different expertise uh you know which part of that do you gravitate towards yeah absolutely and so um i guess i'm definitely strong in, in excel and in, in modeling um here's my uh this is my mouse pad it's excel shortcut guide um nice. <laughs> but yeah i don't i don't i can do most most operations without the mouse um and so that's definitely a skill and i find that problem solving um aspect to be really exciting and interesting but um i mean another thing i love about real estate is i love to talk to people and i love to you know um connect with people whether it's brokers or partners anyone in the industry that you know, that's um, definitely in terms of 
it's a skill. It's a that soft skill, especially having built it up over the, you know, the podcast, it's been been helpful to be able to connect with people and talk to people and that that's something that I enjoy doing. And so um, that's another skill that I would definitely bring to the to the table. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. You know, uh, as far as being an expert in Excel, uh, there's so many ways to use that program, right? But obviously, one way in our business, man, if you can become an expert in underwriting or analyzing deals, people need your help, right? Uh, and it's going to be easy for you to find partners who are good at raising money, right, or good at finding deals, uh, but they need your skill set uh, on uh, you know on underwriting. So I, I usually tell people like, if you're going to get started. And be that expert on that thing, right? And maybe it's raising money, maybe it's underwriting, maybe it's sourcing deals. But man, when you can do any of those things and do, or I mean, one of those things really well, and you go do some networking, you're going to find other people that can do the other two things or three things or whatever it may be, you know, however many ways you want to slice this business up. But becoming an expert in that thing, like, and the more you talk about it on your podcast, or you start putting out blogs about, you know, underwriting or how to use Excel, and like people are going to start seeing you as the underwriting expert. And, and when they need help, they're going to think, oh, I, I think Ben could do this, right? Uh, and you're going to start finding partners. And before you know it, you're doing a deal together, right? Uh, because you, and not because you knew how to do every part of due diligence, right? Or, or not because you knew how to find a great deal, uh, but maybe because you, the guy that underwrote it and said, no, this is a great deal. Uh, and I can see it, right? Uh, and this is why. Um, and so that's a very good skill set to have. I wish I was better at underwriting deals. Uh, but I mean, uh, the more that that expertise grew on our team, uh, you know, the the more I pulled out of that, right? Uh, and I still have to know about it, but but it's it's not my. It was never my superpower, right? Excel by any means. But I did have to find my business partner is an expert in Excel, you know, in underwriting. Uh, you know, then we've hired another acquisitions director now who's better than he ever thought of it, right? So, um, but when you have a skill set like that, it's going to be very valuable and help you to move faster uh, than trying to be, say, a jack of all trades, right? You know, in our space. Yeah, absolutely. Though. I appreciate that. And uh, I definitely, um, you know, want to build a understanding of the, you know, the operations and the other aspects of, of right. the, you know, and so, yeah, that's kind of where, where I am in terms of I want to, you know, yeah, because I, in terms of scalability that, you know, my, I want to, I want to get better at the skills that are not time restricted, you know, and so that's yeah. something that I'm learning to build right now, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I guess it gives me the comp, the Excel aspect and the underwriting aspect gives me the confidence to know that when I find a good deal that I'll, I'll have, I know that I won't be missing anything from the, I guess, the cash flow uh, potential perspective that I know at least like what we're looking at this deal and like, yeah, things can go wrong in operations, but that this is a this is the good deal on paper, and that that's a confidence that that sure being good at having going forward. So yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, appreciate you diving in. Uh, uh, you know, definitely definitely gonna ruminate on that and see how I can um you know leverage that into to partnerships and whatnot going forward. But um, I it was it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Whitney. Um, where can people find out more about what you, what you got going on and and uh, learn more about what what you're doing? lifebridgecapital.com. They can email me at Whitney at lifebridgecapital.com as well. Happy to connect or help anyone. Awesome. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to have any final remarks. No, honored to be here, Ben. Uh, great job producing, you know, hosting the show and, and uh, 
Uh, like I said, happy to help anyone. I hope that, you know, they will reach out if we can help in any way uh, or anybody getting started to love having conversations, you know, that uh, guys and gals that are trying to, that are willing to, uh, to push themselves, right? Like you're talking about not, you know, most are not willing to work hard and go out and make it happen. And, and I did not come into this uh, being a, uh, I would say a genius or, you know, having really special skills, but just being willing to work as hard as anybody else went along with Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Whitney and everyone listening, keep making milestones. Before you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to another awesome episode of Real Estate Milestones. If you've been enjoying the show and you'd like to offer your support, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to increase the show's visibility and help the message get out to a greater audience. I really appreciate your time and support and keep making milestones. The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts.